Bainbridge, Office Expats, the co-working space in the pavilion is a shared office for those of us who work remotely. We have fast fiber Wi-Fi and organic coffee. Keep us in mind too as a location for board meetings, depositions, or treat your team at work to an island offsite. Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Canary. The bird has landed on beautiful Bainbridge Island, conveniently located at 499 Madison Avenue. ASE Master Technician Clint Ramsey brings over 15 years of experience, award-winning diagnostic skill, and a desire to reinvent the automotive repair experience. Schedule an appointment online at bluecanary.biz or call them today at 206-451-4220. This segment of the Bystander Podcast is brought to you by Eagle Harbor Insurance. We don't sell insurance, we help people buy it. This has always been their motto and continues. They understand every family has different insurance needs, be it coverage or premiums. No two cases are the same and they will always do their best to guide you into the proper coverage to fit your budget. They are here to help anytime. Give them a call at 206-842-7410 or contact them online at eagleharborinsurance.com. GreatNorthernElectric.com Serving our Bainbridge and Kitsap neighbors with solutions for anything electrical in your home. 206-842-3620 I got something for your mind, body, and soul. What's cracking, Podcastville? You found the Bystander Podcast. This morning, I have Grayson Wildsmith with me. Thank how, you for having me. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Haven't seen you, seen you since you were knee-high to a soccer ball. <laughs> We've known each other a long time. Yeah, it's yeah, it's been a long time. I would say you were one of the first people I met on the soccer field, and mm-hmm. now you're all grown up and a political science major and a graduate from Gonzaga University. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It was. Uh, I'm very proud to be a Gonzaga alum. It's a great school. Let's go Bulldogs. Yeah, man. Go Zags. Um, Vincenzo, my son, played out in Spokane the last two years. So mm-hmm. got to uh, tour the campus two years ago and uh, tour John Stockton's uh, tavern. Oh, yeah. After that. Is that a hot spot for the... Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a go-to spot for the Zags. I think I even have a, a sweatshirt with has like their logo on it or something. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember the wings being good there. Mm-hmm. What made you choose Gonzaga? 
Um, you know, for me, uh, they have this, uh, it's called Gonzaga Experience Live. So after I had been accepted to the university, they invite all of the accepted students to attend. And uh, you get to spend a whole weekend on campus living in a dorm with students. And they have all these range of activities that you get to go through. You uh, get to hang out in the basketball arena and see what it's like with all the fans there and everything. And for me, just seeing the culture of what Gonzaga was like really sold me. Like I knew after being there for a few hours, I was like, yeah, this is where I want to be. This is my school for me for sure. Awesome. And uh, I always say it's one of the best decisions I ever made. Do the ticket prices get scalped pretty hard out there for basketball? Oh, yeah. They sell out every single game. There, I think for the past 10 years, there hasn't been a single game that wasn't sold out. I mean, luckily, as students, we get to get in for free with our student IDs. But there's free, but free, free with an asterisk on it. <laughs> there is a whole bunch of processes that everyone has to go through. There's lining up for tickets out in the snow or the rain or whatever. And then uh, they have... Once you've reserved that you're going to be going to the game, they have a whole another process for who gets into the games first. They have uh, the Kennel Club, they call themselves. They're the student-led uh, sports group. They will tweet a location on a certain day, and all the students then rush to that location. And the first one there gets to be the first one in line for the game. And so it's absolute like pandemonium on campus when this happens. You have people sprinting everywhere, knocking each other over, trying to get you know, the first spot to be inside the stadium. Because then you get to be front row. Right before I moved here, we were living in Kentucky, and that's mm -hmm. a crazy basketball town. Yes, too. it is. And it was so odd too because it sells out like crazy, and mm -hmm. it's the the only they don't have pro sports in Kentucky other than than the horses. Mm -hmm. And um, the arena is like straight shot up. Mm -hmm. So you're basically on a two by four on those top <laughs> seats when I went, and I was like, "This is the worst arena ever." And they they kicked the Sonics out because that arena was bad. I was mm -hmm. thinking that place is plush compared to this. My wife's from the Syracuse area, and the Carrier Dome it's crazy there too. Mm -hmm. Like basketball is insane on those three campuses, and mm -hmm. I imagine yeah, yeah. it. It's very insane. On it is. I mean, and we don't have a football team, so everyone dedicates all their time to basketball. You know, mm -hmm. all the love goes there. And I mean, I was on the rugby team, so not a lot of love for us. <laughs> nice. Did uh, um, Greg get you into rugby? Um, you know, my grandfather was a. He's from England, and he's a rugby player and coach. And so I always knew about the game and how to play. But uh, for me, it was actually I found the team on my second day. At Gonzaga, my orientation leader uh, actually lived with a bunch of rugby players, and he introduced me to them. And they're like, "You got to come out tomorrow morning." And I was like, "Okay." And from day one, I knew this was just a group of guys that I was super psyched to be around. And so, tried out, walked onto the team, and spent four years playing playing rugby with the boys. <laughs> awesome. Soccer yeah. kind of translates. To it rugby. did. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the skills that I had from my lifetime of soccer were able to carry over into rugby. Yeah, definitely tactically the same. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is totally off topic. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and, and I'm always off topic, and don't fact check me on anything. But when I was in, at Gonzaga last, mm -hmm. there was nine turkeys walking the streets. <laughs> turkeys. I've seen a few in my four years. Yeah. It's what a, is that all about? I really don't. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. Like these homeless turkeys are just walking down mm -hmm. asking me for corn. Yeah. One of my one of my good buddies, he's like an avid hunter, and he has his uh, hunting dog who he lives with him. Uh, and uh, there are times when we'd be walking the dog. Dog's name is Teddy, and he would just start pointing, and then we'd just see a turkey just just run along. It's so crazy to go to Seven Eleven and get accosted by a turkey. <laughs> Not what you expect. No. Hey, I remember you in high school here 
um, volunteering for a lot of you mm-hmm. know after school projects, and you're very active in the community with your volunteerism. Can you speak yeah. a little bit about that? Absolutely, I'd love to. Yeah, I'm a very service oriented individual. Um, I'd say it's the way my parents raised me. Um, shout out to them. You yeah, did a sh- good job. Shout out to Marina and Quentin. We love you. Um, did a good job with your sister too, right? <laughs> yeah, my sisters uh, are, are are swell. Um, so yeah, uh, in regards to my service, yeah, I, uh, I've always been really involved with, uh, Rotary Club and service, uh, you know, volunteering at the Rotary Auction every year. I think I haven't missed an auction except for this most previous summer when I was, uh, on a pilgrimage. But, um, yeah, I started my own, uh, service organization in high school. I founded the Social Justice League with Brad Lewis, and we took that from being a, I think we started with eight members, and then by the time I graduated from the high school, I had about 150 kids. And we would, uh, every Friday, have a group of students going over to a homeless shelter in Seattle to prepare and serve food. We did uh, food bank uh, fundraisers to bring in uh, canned foods for Helpline House. We did actual fundraisers for international programs that the students would uh, elect and vote for that we were passionate about. And uh, I've always just sort of continued that on. Even through Gonzaga, I served as the service chair for my fraternity, you know, uh, organizing Relay for Life. Uh, We did a lot of – oh, shoot, I'm forgetting the name – Habitat for Humanity. We did a lot of work with them as well. And, uh, you know, in addition to – wanting to give back to the community. I've also understood always, uh, I think I'd, at least since from a high school age, how important uh, government can impact service in a community. So I was a founding member of the Mayor's Youth Advisory Council when Ann Blair was mayor. Uh, I was a founding member of the Police Youth Advisory Council under Chief Hamner. So, you know, I've always just known that that's what I've wanted to do. I've wanted to give back and help people. That's sort of my thing. Yeah, Chief Hamner was very good in getting out to the community and Mm-hmm. Involving himself, I miss that guy a lot. Yeah, me too. Good dude. Yeah, he's a very good guy. Good people. Um, what makes you want to come back and contribute to this city council at this time? I mean, you're you're young. You just mm-hmm. graduated. You went on a great trip to Spain. Yeah, you seem to have found yourself, and you're in a good space right now. I am. Yeah. Why get into politics? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've always said, I mean, even when I was uh, passionate about politics when I was young and being a political science major, you know, all the students ask you, so are you going to be a politician one day or something? And I've always said, no, I don't want to be a politician. But uh, right as I graduated from GU, I noticed that there was a... a GU? GU. Um, I noticed that there was a uh, opening in the city council and uh, I just saw it as a fantastic opportunity. You know, um, I feel prepared. And my uh, my grandfather always says that uh, success is where opportunity and preparation meet. And I saw it as a fantastic opportunity to serve a community that has done so much to make me into the man that I am today because, you know, I love B.I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like I said, you've always been an active kid mm-hmm. in, my, in my eyes. And as I've seen it peripherally, mm-hmm. peripherally, <laughs> let's start the morning off great here with my. Poor dialect. We should have done vocal warm-ups together. Yeah, me, 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 me. (laughs) Hey, what are some of the teachers at on Bainbridge Island that kind of shaped um, you as a person? Yeah. Um, So I would say Brad Lewis being first and foremost, just because I spent a lot of time with him outside of school. I never actually even had a class with Mr. Lewis. I never took stats. Uh, Sorry, Mr. Lewis, if you hear this. (laughs) But um, yeah, he was a great influence on me because we spent a lot of time together outside of school. He helped me sort of uh, 
see what people can do out in the community to help others. Um, but other teachers, you know, I want to shout out to uh, Amanda Ward, Lawrence Holland, David Layton, all fantastic educators that have done a lot for this community. And uh, they've really uh, shaped a lot of cool kids that have come out of the Bainbridge school system that are going on to do really great things. Ha- um, that's great to hear. Definitely. Do you, do you, f- how do you feel about the overall education from, you know, early on mm-hmm. until you went to college here on the Island? I, I mean, I'm very proud to uh, have graduated from Bainbridge John school districts. I think uh, having a public school system like ours is rare, you know? We have fantastic teachers, fantastic programs, and kids really learn a lot here, and they feel prepared to uh, go out and experience, uh, you know, higher education or move into uh, jobs and start working. Uh, I couldn't recommend the Bainbridge school system enough. Awesome. Yeah. Well, what was your favorite grade, do you think? Favorite grade? Oof. Hmm. You know, uh, I, a lot of people graduating from BHS would probably disagree with me, but I think a junior year, you know, while well, people say that's the hardest one because mm-hmm. they start all these block classes and longer study hours and stuff. I really enjoyed it because the material sort of stepped up for me. That's when I was taking AP U.S. government and things like that, and I started to learn a lot of things that I was really passionate about. I always find that you get more out of your uh, your day and your existence when it's jam-packed like that. So true, so true. I love staying busy. Yes, yeah, me too. I'm all about it. Hey, um, what are your thoughts on it? I want to go over a couple of the issues that are mm-hmm. pertinent to the Let's island right now. Um, how many, how many um, speaking of events have you gone to? I know you went to Climate Action Bainbridge. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've you been, just recently got got back, too, so you're, you're yeah, behind uh, the, on the, some things. The pilgrimage I was on was uh, about two months as we were walking from France through Spain. Uh, but, yeah, I've been trying to attend as many events as I can. I've been... Uh, I've gone to a, quite a few city council meetings, but I haven't been speaking at them or anything. I've just been sitting in the back and listening and observing. Uh, but yeah, yesterday I spoke at the Chamber of Commerce candidate forum. So all of us candidates who are uh, running the election were there. That was the first time that I was actually in a room with every single one of us that are running, including uh, the current council members that are seeking re-election. Um, I've been meeting with different groups. Uh, I've been calling it sort of, an, I'm going on a listening tour right now. Yeah, I like sitting, that. Yeah, sitting down with as many people as I can to hear what they would want from a potential city council member. So I sat down with uh, Debbie Hollier and her group, uh, the Kitchen Table Activists. I've met with a lot of Rotarians. Um, let's see here. I met with Superintendent of Schools, Peter Bengnudsen. You know, I'm trying, uh, I met with Suzanne Allen, the executive director at BYS. I met with Ed Reed, executive director of the Senior Center. You know, I'm really just trying to cover as many bases as I can because Bainbridge is such a diverse community. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you used to do some stuff with the Senior Center when you were in high school, correct? Uh, I did a lot of stuff with BYS, not with the what Senior Center. Uh, Bainbridge Youth Services. Okay. It's a nonprofit here on the island that used to actually have an office um, on Bainbridge High School campus, and they provide uh, free mental health counseling for teens. And and it's not just that. I mean, they have a lot of really great programs. They do tutoring programs. They they always do the Fourth of July fun run every year. Uh, you know, and I, I really like uh, the work that BYS does. So I did a lot of work with them in high school. Okay. Um, how do you feel about? The hot topic right now is the affordable housing mm-hmm. and Suzuki property. Yeah. What, are you, what are your viewpoints on that project? You know, the Suzuki, uh, the Suzuki property is a really interesting one. You know, uh, I was uh, a, 
a little bit surprised to see that 100 unit number was the one that they're moving forward with because I didn't I don't quite understand how they're going to be able to fit 100 units onto that property, you know. And uh, I think for me, uh, before I say you know like I'm I'm for the Suzuki property or against it, I want to at least spend a little bit more time looking into everything that's going on because I want to make sure that the decision that our uh, current city council has voted on to move forward with is uh, up to snuff with state codes, uh, the comprehensive plan and city codes as well, because I'm not sure that everything there is lining up. So I think that for me, I need to at least look into it a little bit more and uh, deliberate some thought. But uh, I mean, I am for affordable housing. I just want to make sure that we as a a community get it right. How do you define affordable housing? That's somewhat of a relatively new term. It is. It is. Um, I would say for me, I mean, uh, this is something when I spoke with uh, uh, a lot of people we've discussed, um, you know, the you look at the the AMI, it's something that a lot of people didn't know about. But now that the Suzuki property has come up, a lot of people are starting to know the annual median income for the island, which I think is just above 100K or something, you know. Uh, That's about what I get for this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not. <laughs> um, you look at the AMI for the island and then you look uh, comparatively at real estate prices. I guess for me, uh, what, what my definition for affordable housing would be, uh, you know, designated housing that is meant for people below a certain percentage of the AMI. And, you know, in a lot of state codes, they uh, outline that it, uh, certain affordable housing needs to be at least 80% of AMI or below, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, for a lot of our uh, workers that work here on the island, you know, uh, school staff and, you know, people that work at Safeway or something like that, they can't afford to live on the island, you know. So having housing for our workforce would be fantastic. Uh, do you have any thoughts about UBI or universal base income or freedom dividends? Mm, I don't. <laughs> I, that's something that I, I UBI. I actually haven't heard of that before. It's uh, something Andrew Yang's trying to bring back in the Democratic Party, giving everybody a thousand dollars to ease the burden of life and try to cut out some of these uh, different funding projects like food stamps and such, mm-hmm. and just say, "Hey, here's a thousand dollars. Spend it how you like, and try to reinvest in the people." Tax free. They're just going to give everyone $1,000 tax-free. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we have so many different programs that we're being taxed on. That's so, so true. Yeah. It's kind, of a, it's kind of a wash in that capacity. Mm-hmm. How do you see the transportation shaping up here on the island? Do you think we're a uh, very walkable city? Um, do mm-hmm. you think we have a good infrastructure? Well, you know, there, there's more that can be done. You know, there's trail improvement, uh, the bike lanes in the island, and a lot of different roads can be looked at. And... Uh, you know, either expanded or the, the roads can be widened. Um, I mean, I rode my bike around the island my entire, I mean, I've lived on the island my entire life. So rode your bike here. I did ride my bike here. Good yes. On you. Yeah. You know, I try to get out as much as I can, weather permitting on BI. Um, uh, but I understand that uh, road safety is something incredibly important on the island. I mean, as a bicyclist here on BI, I think it was my sophomore year of high school, I actually got hit by a car while riding my bike. Yeah, no, luckily I was able to get out of it without any major broken bones, but you know, it definitely shook me up a little bit. It's uh road safety is something I'm incredibly passionate about and multimodal transportation is something I'm super passionate about, you know, getting out of a car as much as I can, you know, walking, running, biking because there's a uh, plenty of places you can get on the island, I think, outside of a vehicle, but that's not true for everybody, you know. And right. I'd love for it to be true for everybody. Like you and I can get off the ferry and we can find enough trails to get all the way to exactly. um, Battle, Par- Battle Point Park, yeah. jog around there and come back to the ferry. Um, but that's not the ideal route for somebody that's 
less fit or has different issues or exactly. wants to bring any type of wheelie device. Mm-hmm. Whether yeah, and uh, I think uh, as a, a city council could look at um, some points of the budget where we're making unnecessary spending and refocus those towards uh, road improvements. So, I love unnecessary spending. Can you <laughs> cite a spot of unnecessary spending that's going on at this current you know, um, it seems like uh, in the past couple of years, our city council has done a lot of uh, outsourcing to uh, consultant groups to make certain plans. Or It seems like there's a plan for every single issue that people talk about nowadays and not a lot of policy creation towards uh, innovative ideas for what we could do to start doing things rather than just having us having to dish out bills to, you know, non-island groups for them to tell us, well, you should go do this rather than our city council members proposing, well, how about we do something in, instead. Okay. Yeah. Um, senior citizens, do you think they're getting priced off the island? And do you think they have the necessary resources that they need? And are we doing a good enough job of taking care of our elders here on the island? I mean, my grandparents live on the island, for starters. I mean, they've, uh, they have uh, they do their best, you know. Uh, I think, I mean, for instance, uh past Mayor Ann Blair, who was on the city council, she had to move off the island because she couldn't afford to live on her property anymore. You know, I think uh, we, uh, when we talk about affordable housing, it's not just for people who live off island to come join the community. It's so that people who do live on the island can continue to live in the community. Um, I think that as the population grows older, we're going to have a lot of rising needs for our seniors. I think that uh, there'll be a serious increase in services, and that's going to be a a focus of mine if I'm elected to city council. Because uh, in addition to them needing transportation to get places, they're also going to need programs. And there'll be a need for maybe more caretakers on the island to look out for even older people. You know, I think uh, as them being one of the majority populations on the island, we can't let them just sort of dim out of the spotlight. We need to make sure that we take care of our senior citizens. Yeah, get that sorted because I'm headed that way. (laughs) Um, What are some of the things that you've really disliked um, hearing about while you were away from in college uh, off the island, hearing about certain issues that are going on on the island that may have struck a chord with you or Mm -hmm. perked your ears? Whenever I uh, came back from Gonzaga, if there was a city council meeting, I would stop by at one. I mean, uh, I've I've met with uh, a... past and current council members and they say yeah i remember you coming to a meeting and i I think one of the most i think one of the meetings where i actually stood up and spoke was when we were discussing um uh pedestrians walking around the island and it was right during the whole bridge to nowhere debacle Mm -hmm. and uh i was uh, talking about how people were complaining that uh people walk around the island in dim lit clothing at night and you can't see them and it's a danger for pedestrians. And I was discussing how there's a solar panel powered um, signs where people just press a button and then they flash up as people know that there's a pedestrian walking the street and they turn off after a designated time period. And they have those all around the Gonzaga campus, you know, so that's how I was familiar with them. And I think they're absolutely fantastic to alert. On a bridge, you know, when a bicyclist goes by. Exactly. Same exactly. Thing, we right? could do the exact same thing for pedestrians uh, moving across crosswalks, and it would help a lot during the night. Yeah, that's that's one issue that I've kind of noticed and taken up a bit. You, you go into other towns and cities, and the yield poles and the stop signs and the crosswalks, the entire pole is illuminated with reflective tape. Mm-hmm. It's not the old wood with a reflective yeah. um, square at the top, you know. And 
I come over high school road right there at the crest mm-hmm. of the crosswalks by the high school. Yeah. And that's in the morning. The sun is going. Yeah. Kids are darting in and out. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like it's not illuminated. And then when it gets dark, the streetlights are offset. So the crosswalk is actually not illuminated it's properly. It's not, yeah. yeah. So it, every time I'm, I'm very cautious that, hey, yeah. head on a swivel. I could hit somebody here. Mm-hmm. Because when I first moved here, I came over that crest early in the morning, and I was just like, whoa, hey. Yeah. And now I see other people that are always in a hurry, drop their kids off, go to the ferry. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the busiest spots. Yeah, right? uh, I was picking my little sister up from a volleyball game at the high school the other night. And as we were driving home, there was uh, numerous teenagers who had probably just left the volleyball game or something, and they were all wearing dark clothing. Not a single one of them had mm-hmm. anything reflective on. And I spotted them because I have the eyes of a hawk, I like to say. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I said to myself, man... A lot of people probably aren't going to see those kids, and it's probably going to scare the heck out of them. And that's just a dangerous scenario that I don't want our citizens to be in. Yeah. I mean, there's been a few citizens that were actually hit this Mm -hmm. year in crosswalks. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yes, it's nice that we've slowed down to 20 miles an hour, but it's not nice everywhere. Yeah, it seems like the speed limits have gone incrementally down ever since I was a child. we sloth city here. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the visibility would, would go a lot further than... Um, slowing down, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's hard. There's a spot on Miller and there's a spot on Wyatt where it's supposed to be 20 by the crosswalk, but you're going down a hill. Mm-hmm. That means you're riding your brake the entire time. The that's yeah. that's not really natural. Mm-hmm. So could we light light that up? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some issues that are um, bugging you the most that you want to tackle right away when you get on council? Yeah, I mean, for me, climate change is one of the most prevalent issues, I think, in the world. It's something that became... It's uh, the only issue, people. (laughs) It's something that became politicized uh, in America when it should have just been a matter of science. And for too long, we've sort of just put it as an issue that candidates can be for or against when it's just it's just science, you know? It's something that we need to start responding to. We need to mitigate uh, and... uh, be prepared for the impacts that climate change is going to be having on our community. Uh, we'll have, uh, we need to think about saltwater intrusion to our aquifers. We need to think about how, as we develop as a city and manage our growth, we make sure that we are not impacting our environment any more than we can. You know, for instance, on the Gonzaga campus, we have LEED certified buildings, you know, mm-hmm. so I think that should be mandatory, it, right? Exactly. Green and eco development is just, the, it's, the, it's not the way of the future. It's what we should be doing right now. It's kind of like a, a buzzword here on the island. I remember when we got here, um, you know how kids always say literally, literally, <laughs> literally, not figuratively. Literally. Well, adults were like, it's not sustainable it's, or this is sustainable yeah. or this is green. Mm-hmm. Those were the buzzwords. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, let's move on to something a little bit deeper in, in mm-hmm. lead type technology. Absolutely. Yeah. What about the energy system here on the island? How do we get away from the coal and and get a, a clean cut within two years or four years mm-hmm. um, transitioning off that coal into uh, cleaner energy? Yeah, I was actually, uh, I met with a, a gentleman who's the head of government relations uh, from PSE yesterday. And uh, we discussed how, you know, as uh, the ferries are electrified and a lot of different uh, uh, things are electrified to reduce uh carbon emissions or GHG emissions, uh, what PSE would be doing in the near future. And we talked about renewable energy targets, uh, as well as, you know, moving away from coal and getting, uh, you know, as much renewable energy as we can to the point where we actually have 100% renewable energy. And they said that's a goal of PSEs, 
yeah, to get they, there. Yeah, they've actually listened and responded to the residents of Bainbridge Island, which is nice. And I think yeah. they're fully engulfed in develop, developing such a plan for Islanders mm-hmm. through PSC. So good on them for sure. And I, I love the idea of electrifying the ferry. I don't know what that charging station looks like on this side, you know? Yeah. But um, I'm eager to see that plan. Yeah. I'd love to uh, take that even like a step further with the electrification of city vehicles, you know? Why can't we have all of our like, city vehicles? Like buses and... Yeah, like so, buses yeah. and then, you know, all of the city vehicles that travel around the city for maintenance, you know? Why can't those be electric as well, you know? Tell me, why can't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, ooh, let's take a quick pause here. Let me stretch. Lost my mind for a minute. You were talking about um, the salt water entering the aquifers. I'm not scientifically inclined to understand <laughs> how that happens and such. I know that we get uh, aquifer water in, in various ways. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you know about the aquifer science, and it, is it based on junk science? Should we be doing the science ourselves, or who who should be really monitoring the aquifers and how does that relate into the critical area ordinance here mm-hmm. on the island? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a, a scientist myself. You know, I don't have a PhD or anything like that. But uh, I mean, from what I know and what I understand, uh, you know, as uh, water levels rise due to climate change, you know, our, our sea levels will go up, and the those salt water levels from the the sea can uh, intrude through our uh, our groundwater and then eventually into the aquifers and make our aquifer water not potable, and it would add extra steps for us to have to handle all of that. But, you know, there's a lot of experts on the island that can help us with this, you know, rather than having to outsource to outer island groups, we have experts here on the island. For instance, the Climate Change Advisory Committee, uh, which was uh, is currently developing a, a work plan for the city council to work off of to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions and protect our water. When it comes to aquifer science, who is in charge of that? Is that EPA? Is that World Health? Is who who where should we begin that science? I guess yeah. My well, it's a, it's a combination of efforts. I mean, the EPA has an office right here in Seattle. I mean, they've come out here for the creosote plant before and such. I mean, uh, there are fix the wall. By the way, I was down there yesterday. It's really rusting. Quickly. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that needs to be uh, fixed in that super fun site. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, it's more about a combination of efforts. We can have federal officials from the EPA make recommendations, or we can have uh, experts from state government come out and, or state uh, agencies come out and, you know, do testing. And at the end of the day, it's uh, about us creating policies that will follow through on them. So, you know, uh, we need to uh, channel not only um, other government resources, but also uh, the work of experts here on the island as well to make sure that we can... uh, solve these issues as quickly as possible. We started talking about Suzuki and 100 units. How do we kind of manage the growth here on the island for the future? Yeah, so growth management is something that uh, I'm really is something that I've been talking a lot about throughout my campaign. And, uh, you know, it's for me, uh, managing our growth is about doing what is uh, ethically best for the island. And for me, the definition of ethics is, you know, knowing the difference between right and wrong and always doing what is right to the best of your ability. Um, and so, you know, we can't stop the fact that Bainbridge is growing. Bainbridge is growing no matter what. It's about how we as a community look at uh, what we have put together, like the community needs assessment or the city comprehensive plan, and we follow through on that. 
you know, there seems to be a lot of uh, diversions and um, sort of stagnation uh, with uh, the past uh, councils. And I want to make sure that we just continue to follow through on what we as a community have decided what is best for Bainbridge, the preservation of our culture and managing our growth well. So when it comes to growth management Mm -hmm. versus land rights, Mm -hmm. do you think we're doing a good good enough job to consider people's individual land rights by putting on the monitorium and uh, extending that and not allowing people to build on their own property that they may have had for many, many years Mm -hmm. and designating the majority of that land Mm -hmm. as, you know, critical area ordinance? Mm Mm-hmm. And then the, I, I haven't done anything to my property, but it seems like the permitting and stuff is astronomical and the wait process to do anything. Yeah. Certain things seem to be funded and green lit pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to an individual landowner, it seems to be very difficult. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's not a, a new problem for Bainbridge. I mean, excuse me. Uh, when I, uh, I interned for the city, I spent all the different times in the different departments that our city government has. Uh, and uh, I remember, you know, the amount of, uh, you know, code issues that were going on along the island and code violations and people doing illegal building. And it's not a, a new problem to our community. It's just sort of seems to be like an ongoing one. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you, do you see a solution of any sorts, I guess? Um, you know, uh, that, that because seems, it seems like it, besides the left and right fighting, it seems like government and, and personal landowners are at an all time, you know, Rocky Balboa style <laughs> fight going on right now. Yeah. And I mean, it's a, it's an interesting sort of scenario. We have the, you know, the Bama John land trust with all of these, uh, acres across the Island and then. We have uh, private landowners who have their own needs being met. And so um, uh, something that the current city council seems to be doing is uh, reviewing a lot of the codes and building codes uh, on the island and making sure that we're up to snuff. And that's something that I want to make sure that uh, I focus on. Are you down for four-hour meetings four four times a week at a minimum? I'm ready to give this my all. You know, I can make this a full-time position for me. I'm a... a I'm ready to commit everything I have to being a city council. You know, it's member part-time pay, though. I, I understand. <laughs> I, I understand that. But, uh, you know, over the past four years at Gonzaga, I've worked and I've saved up quite a bit of money. Um, I was working every day while I was uh, a full-time student, and uh, I have the privilege of living on a. My family has a. All we have three generations of family that live on the same property, and so I have the privilege of getting to live at home right now, which I'm very happy about. Are you still up there off Cave Road? Yeah, yeah, we're right downtown. Yep. Yeah. Just behind that. I met your family when Vinny was uh, four, going to preschool there. At, oh, yeah. At that little... Up at BCNS? Yeah. What That's a, also where I went. <laughs> great school. <laughs> yeah. I cannot stress it enough. And that was before the Visconti property was all taken apart and the STO came in there. So it was like... We walk into that school, and it was a playground and a garden, and it's all still up there. Yeah, yeah. It's not quite as hidden anymore, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, walking to school and seeing deer every morning, and we'd go around the corner before that affordable housing got built, and there there'd mm-hmm. be the llamas and mm-hmm. just the llama I, farm. Yep, I remember pushing him. He used to have a little bug. It wasn't a 
God, I'm going down memory lane. Sorry, people. Oh, no worries. <laughs> Not a red wagon, but a little uh, push car. And we used to say, say hi to the llamas. And uh, mm-hmm. then we'd go into school and there'd be the, the deer there and mm-hmm. get dirty working in the garden. It was just a great, great experience. It's fantastic. Treasure yeah. that um, time in my life for yeah. sure. And I still see my teachers from uh, BCNS around the community. You know, yeah. I don't think they work there anymore. I think uh, they're working in different places beyond. But you know, it's fantastic that I've had this uh, sort of blessing to have been raised in a community where I go to a preschool here on the on, and I still see my preschool teachers when yeah. I'm 22. You know, I see Miss Newman all the time. Yeah. And- She's yeah. great. She's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but she remembers everybody. Yeah. And it's amazing that you can be three or four and then 22 and right? she still hasn't dropped your name. Yeah, it was her birthday the other day. You know, I saw her on the ferry and we were talking. She was uh, off to go see a museum. She Have a good day. so positive. Oh, such, w- such a light. I wish I had um, half her energy and <laughs> half her light. And uh, she's definitely an island treasure. I should mm-hmm. get her in here. You should. Oh, she'd be a great interview. Yeah. I'm sure she has so many stories. I think she teached in Eastern Europe for a period. Yeah, of Germany. Time. Yeah. So that's when uh, Vinny fell in love in love with the German national team. Oh, yeah. I'm because with, they I, corresponded. I got a German national team jacket right over there. Look at that. Yeah. She has cross affected us. <laughs> so, what are the upcoming things? I know you're going up on a Wake Up Bainbridge podcast next week, mm-hmm. and. Um, there's another forum in October, League of Women's Voters. Is that what? Yeah, and then there's also the the Senior Center candidate forum is on October second, and then Squeaky Wheels has a candidate forum actually even earlier on September twenty seventh that I'll be going on as well. So Squeaky Wheels put out some documents. Uh, you can check them out on my Facebook page of the Bystander Podcast. But what a great organization! But I feel like they do not have a big enough voice at city council when it comes to infrastructure planning. Mm-hmm. And as much as I'd like to say this is a very bike-friendly island, I'm starting to reverse that thought. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like you said, you got hit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen some people get hit on their bike. The lanes, when I drive around on the island, some places just like have no shoulder. Or something. Yeah, well, the, yeah. the white line is actually crumbling off into the ditch. Yeah. Because that's how much... Road shoulder improvement is absolutely that's something that we could use more of here on the island, especially. How do, we, how do we get around that is my question with the critical area ordinance and mm-hmm. the vegetation situation that we're in now. Do we just say, okay, there's a certain amount of easement and that we can improve that road no matter what, mm-hmm. even though it crosses the boundary of, of this law that we've put in? Well, we can also build on existing uh, policies that the island already has. So, for instance, we have the chip ceiling project that we do every year. Mm-hmm. And we could also, you know, revise that policy and incorporate, uh, you know, road shoulder improvements or other uh, non-vehicle uh, improvements to the, for the roadways, uh, because that's a, a yearly project that we already have outlined in the budget every year that we take care of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so why hasn't it happened? <laughs> well, you know, uh, I think that there, uh, the city council is currently uh, getting a report from another group about a plan for something like the sustainable transport transportation plan you know yeah so it's more of sort of the same behavior that a lot of people have expressed uh concern with for me when i tell them i'm running for city council that it's a lot of planning and getting reports and recommendations and not enough policies that will follow up on them and actually start right. yeah. the mobility levy that that did not pass exactly yeah. seemed like it was poorly written for one and that i didn't know what road was going to be improved at at what time and it seemed like it was going to be a 20-year project 
you know, hemorrhaging money, and I still wouldn't know if it would affect my neighborhood at all, yeah. you know, because the shoulder's tight on my road, too. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, I have woods that I can cut through and ways to hop around yeah. and avoid this traffic, but I see it out there. Yeah. I see you bicyclers. <laughs> Bicy- <laughs> Bicyclists. <laughs> but um, when it comes to the biking community, too, there's, you know, uh, Geezers of Fury, Squeaky Wheels Group. Mm-hmm. There's Bike for Pie. There's Love Chili. Bike for Pie. I love Bike for <laughs> I did it every year. And Chili Heli, oof, man. Yeah, that's brutal. Nightmares. <laughs> I remember Cody, she uh, did the Chili Hilly and then just came out to the game. We had a game at Battle Point, mm-hmm. and it was hailing sideways. <sighs> and we had one sub. Brutal. And then all of a sudden, game's going, and then her legs just gave out. <laughs> yeah. And it was such a miserable day, and she couldn't even walk. And I was just like, what's wrong? You know, we just started the game. And she's like, well, I biked here. I was like, yeah, so you biked here. How long could that be? Well, I had no idea it was 32 miles, and she was using it as a race prep. <laughs> That's when you're, like, not a fan of being a coach when mm. it's that type of weather. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's just standing on the sideline, and it's just bone-chillingly cold. Yes. And you can't move at all unless you're the kind of coach that likes to run up and down the sidelines with your team. <laughs> Scream and yell. Get that hot blood going. Um, what I was getting to is, with all that said and all that bicycle activity, when mm-hmm. it comes to voting on transportation issues, mm-hmm. bicyclists make up a very small portion of the taxable income and and the voters. So I think it's hard at times to get everybody mobilized to go in that direction. Mm-hmm. But you think about how many tourists we have mm-hmm. and what is one of the activities they like to do. They like to kayak. Mm-hmm. They like to row. Mm-hmm. They like to bicycle when they come over here. Mm-hmm. Most of them just walk down Winslow, turn around, walk They go back. down and back, yeah. Yeah, but they have a map in their hand for a straight line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's why it's good to be a restaurant during the summer here on Winslow. Oh, for so sure. true. So true. Yeah. Um, how how do we, you know, help the bicyclists though, and and get this, you know, out of the chip seal seal money and the road improvements, and really drive that conversation to become an accomplishment for the island. That's true. I mean, yeah, you make a good point by saying uh, the bicycle community is obviously not the majority of islanders. I mean, the majority of islanders are the people on the cars every day driving and around. Car people dislike bicyclists big time that's true that's true but i think that's because you know there isn't enough road for the bicyclists and the drivers to feel comfortable around each other it's it's either or when they're on the road in some parts of the island how do you think the olympic drive uh shaped up the sto no the the new oh lane that that getting into the ferry the the two phase you know you're you're like everybody else i don't quite know how it works yeah i i I actually got a a brochure yesterday from the city explaining how it works and you know it's interesting i was forty thousand dollars with the consulting to get that brochure (laughs) out to you oh god (laughs) you know um it's interesting uh i've i've never seen a uh, bike lane in the middle of the road before um, going down Winslow Way there as you turn left. But, you know, I think uh, for, you know, when you see the uh, the commuter traffic coming off the boat every day, there is a solid amount of uh, bikers that come off those boats. Per de force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny because the bicyclists get like five-second head start, then the motorcycles just, come. Yeah. And, I mean, living downtown my entire life, you can you can hear when the 440 is in. You don't need to look at a clock. You can, right. you can hear it. Those motorcycles make themselves heard. Right, right, right. Yeah. So – 
Do you think the roundabout on Day Road is going to help ease some of this traffic? Or mm. is that going to be a whole nother level of disaster? That is a really, really good question. You know, I think uh, I can't say, you know, I would just be guessing if I were to say something. I'm sure there's a traffic study that could be done uh, that would but tell I think, us. I think we're, we're set to have it come. Yeah. Okay, good. But um, They're in Sportsman Club and uh, Intersection of Wyatt and Madison. Those are all... Mm-hmm. earmarked for roundabouts you know it's interesting because there's a there's a solid discussion around whether you know uh, motion censored uh, traffic lights or timed traffic lights or a roundabout are the best methods for handling traffic congestion and uh you know i think uh i think a roundabout is a good idea um i i can't say for sure whether that day road <laughs> roundabout will uh sort of reduce the uh the congestion that we get every day from commuter traffic mm-hmm. getting off the island, you know, because we have so many people that commute through the island to get onto the ferry. I have a great solution. What is it? Knock the bridge off. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Burn the boats, you know? Just, <laughs> one way out, one way on, one way out. That's it. We don't have to worry about everybody being a drive through you know, because we kind of are a thoroughfare for a lot of traffic and mm-hmm. that's a lot of fossil fuels and emissions that come right into our forest. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And, uh, you know, I think that there's, um, a discussion that needs to happen between, uh, uh our city government or city council members and, uh, Kitsap public transportation to figure out ways for us to start getting more people in public transit and reducing the amount that have to drive on the Island every day to get to the ferry. Yeah. I, I w- would like to see the, bus transportation system expanded and used more to mm-hmm. some capacity. Yeah. Um, th- that's just a better solution for everybody. But yeah. you know. And it would need to be more frequent too. I mean, most people, their complaints with the bus systems is that it doesn't come around enough or it doesn't go to where they need to be. Yeah, and it yeah. stops at eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like I can't get a beer after nine on the ferry. What's up with that too? <laughs> Can you do something about that? Uh, no, sadly I can't. Yeah, I wish I could. Hey, um, let's talk a little bit of local stuff uh, mm-hmm. before we get out of here. What's your favorite restaurant here on the island? Oh, well, I'm partial, you know. Uh, I got my very first job here on the island at Casa Rojas Express when yeah. I was just a youngling. I told Miguel that you were coming on today, and he told me yeah. to tell you hi. Yeah. Oh. You said you were a hard worker. I, thank you. I appreciate that, Miguel, if you're listening. Um, of course I, he's listening. <laughs> All the Rojas family is listening. Yeah, but I would have to say Casa Rojas Express, is, it's just won my heart. It's always had a special place for me. You What's know? your go-to meal there? Oh, well, I get the Sencillo burrito on spinach, you know. Get the habanero salsa, make it as spicy as I can. Oh, yeah. I think I've burnt off most of my taste buds from years of consuming spicy That's food. Sauce. I put oh, yeah. that on the El Pastor tacos. Ooh, yeah. Delicious, with a little pineapple to cleanse mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need the... Uh, I'm going to be the old guy that needs to put pepper spray on his food when he's older just to, you know, taste anything just because I've worn all my taste buds out. <laughs> when are you going to get old? You're 22 now? Yeah. How do you feel about youth and politics? You know, I think it's fantastic. I think for, for too long, historically, not only in America, but, you know, worldwide, youth aren't involved in government, you know. And government is how you can make an impact. You can change a lot of things through government. You know, I th- and especially through local government. Local government is a great way to make the biggest impact on people's day-to-day lives to alleviate problems for them. 
You know, it's not, well said. it's not the federal government. It's, lo- it's local government. That's where you can make a change. That's something that when Alexis de Tocqueville came to America in the 1800s, he noticed. He said, man, local government is where these people are really making a difference in their lives. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, I, uh, I'm passionate about. I want to, you know, start making a difference, start helping people. And I know that at the local level is a great place to start. And I think more and more young people need to become involved in government and, you know, not by obviously like all of us don't need to run for city council, but, you know, start voting, you know, start becoming involved, make your voice heard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel that this is how I can help, too, is be a local citizen journalist, you know, an alternative to the newspaper. Absolutely. You know, uh, a deeper story, a deeper conversation More information, you know, uh, people need to learn. They need to listen. They need to act. Yeah. Take action. I, I say that all the time is try. Take mm. responsibility yourself. Yeah. You can use that in your campaign. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what are what are some of the projects that you're fond of that that you like that that have come through the pipe since you've been gone that you were like, hey, wow, that's a noticeable improvement. I mean, like when I moved here, Pleasant Beach was um, a ghost town mm-hmm. and it was just shingles on the ground and now it's a thriving little community that i love it's so cool yeah i mean uh, i've loved the way uh the linwood has developed uh, mm-hmm. down there i think that is so cool i i love i whenever my girlfriend came to the island i would be like let's go to linwood you know let's go let's go check it out let's because it's tourist season whenever she would come mm-hmm. by so i was like let's not try and find a table downtown let's right. yeah let's let's go somewhere else in the island but uh I'm a big fan of that area. And then I got to say, I'm actually a big fan of the STO trail, you know, for me. Yeah. I mean, uh, so living downtown, you know, and having to ride my bike to high school in the mornings because I didn't want to wait for the bus or something, or, you know, I was taking zero period and I needed to get there early. Uh, It's five minutes from your house on that trail compared to 30 minute bus ride. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that trail would have been so nice to have when I was in high school and writing oh, for sure. because I would have to, you know, like make my way across 305 up a dirt path or something. And then it I'd just go across w- to Erickson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't ideal, but you know, having that now, I think there is great. And you know, I take my dog on a run up that trail every day and I see plenty of people walking on it, taking their dogs on it, riding their bikes. I think it's a, it's really good start. I've had a little different experience. <laughs> I, I like it. It visually turned out very well and mm-hmm. i like the ability to get off 305 especially if people are like all of a sudden on their phone and shooting off the ferry you mm-hmm. know i, d- I don't want to be dangerous yeah, you in that situation yeah. but uh found i didn't personally but found a dead man on the trail and then i personally found um a deer that had just been destroyed by coyotes so it was like oh. four hooves and a jawline and just intestines just hanging out there right on the trail. And I was I was and walking my dog, and then all of a sudden got a little erratic, and I look up, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. Not yeah. a pretty picture. Yeah. But, you know, that could happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, there's unfortunately been a lot of, lot of death around Bainbridge Island. A lot of great people have passed this last year. Yeah, that's very true. Um, what about Bima? Bima wasn't really around when you were in high school, right? Um, it was it was beginning. I mean, uh, when I was in high school, they were they were starting it, and uh, you know, I've been through a couple times. I think it's it's great. I think it's a great way to highlight art. Um, it's a beautiful building, and it's right there, really good spot. Uh, yeah, I, I'm out. I'm a bigger fan of the place right next door to it, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> the kids' museum, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. <clears throat> yes. All right. 
Thank you for coming in, Grayson, and I look forward to hearing more on the campaign trail, and I wish you nothing but success. Say, yeah. say hello to your family. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Tim. I really appreciate it. Uh, hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and you're welcome back anytime, Grayson. Yeah. Um, you've been listening to The Bystander. Thank you. Be kind. Yep, it's Ralph Brain. For your, for your brain. For your brain. Ralph Brain. Ralph Brain. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Ralph Rain, Ralph Rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably wanted to hurl me shame at their fake eyes like eight eyes. They spank me as I scream. Go to wake me from this dream with a light tear barely gleaming. The night you hear the screams and the government fighting dreams. No war for peace, no war for me. Craziest ladies who watch their babies of iodine. Should I am fine like the print on a prenup? Though a fit my life consists of reading the papers with feet up, man. But I ain't tripping. He's For my neighbors, three pups. Hey, watch the flowers. But on the ancient, you should freed up. And your anguish will just freeze up. It's on the papers, but it's pre stuffed in your brain. Forget the name, forget the fame. Faking as money's exchange. I think it's amazing how money can change. Will you feel in your heart if you let it and regret it? You're in debt with yourself. Shit, man. Not even I can measure myself. Music is everything. We stuck in the measure of self. But. By government, like shirts to a belt, shit. I be hovering so the earth could just melt. I'm drunk off love, it spills on my shirt as I belch. Stacked in bottles on a never ending shelf, stacks and models. I won't lie, I got no money, but my gold is in mine, and you can't ever take it from me unless I give it. But you niggas never listen, just stay a puzzle, and I know that piece is missing. And stay a huddle, and it's at least forfeit inches, so I never forfeit inches, as in giving up. These magazines they listen up about these fake ass rappers who just live it up and never helping their people. All there is to me, help is of evil. I never could relate. Silver spoons and ivory plate The silver zooms just as reality shakes How will you eat what's given on reality's plates? I see bliss, no matter how reality tastes These feet miss, thinking that they carry they weight I change fate on how my mind gets carried away Time is carried by fate In the ocean regrets I carry by weight What's behind me as I'm floating at the perfect pace Then I'm moving now I know I'm in a perfect state Even if by tomorrow in the dirt I lay Selfless I know the shirts will say Help the hopeless and know this I never search for praise, search for days Where we all will see that the earth will change Seen a homeless man and he said he only searched for change I said we ain't so different and it really hurt to say And I ain't tripping No, no I ain't tripping No, no not at all No, no not at all Ralph Crane, Ralph Crane.